Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Husky Fan Podcast. You know, I was sick. I had the crud a week or two ago. Now I'm better. But uh, my co-host here, Jimmy, man, I'm sorry to hear the crud. It's been going around and it uh, caught up with you. Yeah, the, the crud got me. Grinnells knows what it's all about. But you care about the listeners so much that uh, we just we had to do this pod. We couldn't wait, even though there's not going to be another game for uh, probably a, probably a month. Yeah, I gotta gut it out for our eleven and a half listeners. Oh yeah, it's always about the listener for me. It's always about the listener. We do it for you. We do it for the eleven out there listening. Yes, thank you to those 11 people. <laughs> we have 10 years, we've grown by one person a year. <clears throat> exactly. We lost to Andrew, though, because he doesn't email us his episode know, feedback he's anymore. Notes. He's, uh, he's had enough. He's, yeah. What are you going to do? You know? We, we should, we, maybe we should ask him to jump on board. We need his notes. He always provided some... So salient feedback. Yeah. So, yeah, the crud's been going around, but, uh, you know, the good news is uh, Husky football has uh, been surging, especially at the end of the season. Um, you know, one one thing that most people won't mention about the game, I tweeted after the game, even though we made Wazoo look like a bad team or not a great team, that's still a good win. I mean, that's an 18 point win over a top 30 team that you really dominated statistically. So that's actually a good road win. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the preview we talked about the game. I mean, there was a number of things that we thought Wazoo would be, would cause some trouble for the dogs. And, um, clearly, <laughs> From 704 yards of offense, uh, there wasn't much resistance, we could say, on the uh, defensive side of the ball for the Cougs. Yeah, and the crud was going around, too. Like, there were guys who were playing sick and guys who didn't play or played only a few snaps. So that, the, 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 which we reported. We did. Uh, yeah, we were the first to report it. Uh was actually true. That actually had an impact on the game and it was it was reported potentially up to 50 players was it were experiencing the crud yeah i mean it's <clears throat> obviously yeah i already said it it's really going around and, I, I just, uh, it can't wait the this can't get missed in this discussion this evening chestnut i gotta bring it out please early on because I think there's some importance to it. Kalen DeBoer is now 90 and 11 as a head coach. And you mentioned the week before about, you know, is DeBoer a unicorn coach? We don't know yet. However, 90 and 11, regardless of divisions and all that shit or where you coached, that's an undeniable record. That's a lot of that's a lot of wins. The guy is not used to losing. Yeah. 
And uh, not to go off on a tangent, but I definitely because we'll we'll get to next year and all that, and who who might come back and all that. But I I don't think he is the type to sit idly by and you know look at things. Yeah, we got a tougher schedule next year. I don't think he's just going to be resigned to okay. Well, maybe I'm just going to aim for like seven and six next year because I'm losing. I might lose all my best players and the schedule is tougher. No, he's 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 going to fight tooth and nail to be much better than that. And he got Courtney Morgan to come to Washington. And, you know, there was comments about Morgan and we'll jump into the game, but just Morgan said, they're just getting started uh, from a program perspective. So I, I think it's important to recognize that Kalen now is really cementing himself as you know a legit coach where you're producing that type of win-loss record we see that in elite coaching and yeah yeah Yeah, sorry to cut you off and I mean some other things obviously playing well in November and playing well in big games I mean it's kind of cliche you know big games but you know the Michigan State game that was a big early game for the program passed it with flying colors, even though, you know, Michigan State came back. Everybody nationally who turned who was watching that game was nationally televised middle of the day. They were looking at the channel. Oh, Washington's ahead twenty two to zero. They're ahead, you know, thirty nine to fourteen. So I mean that that was obvious. And then, you know, there's kind of a lull in the middle of the season. We had some performances that weren't that great. Right. And, you know, the Oregon State game, you're looking at um where were we? We're six and were we six and two going or seven and two, seven and two, right? Yeah. Or yeah, seven and two. We, but what in the middle? I mean, in the middle of that game, I think we're six and two in the middle of that game at halftime, or just the way the game is going. It's like, yeah, we could be staring six and four in the face right now with right. You know, Oregon State and then Oregon. But instead, right. you know, you're able to come back. You know, the, the Penix is really clutch. You're able, you get that. You know, the defense plays well in the second half. The offense plays well. You're able to get that win at the end of the game. You come back with a huge win against Oregon. Just completely decimate Colorado. I mean, not even a thing. Not even a game. Really, it wasn't even a game. Yeah. And then Wazoo. I mean, if you look at Wazoo, I mean, they played USC pretty tough. I mean, they yeah, they lost by two touchdowns, but you know, they put and, and they played Utah pretty tough at home. I know that Utah was missing lots of guys, but you know, they only lost by four. That's a game that Wazoo, if a couple balls bounce differently, that's a game Wazoo could have won. And they choked I mean, Oregon. They choked the Oregon game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they 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 yeah, that that's another really good point. And that's why, you know, they were I think they were t- number 27 in Sagarin before our game. And I mean, that was a they were Yes, I mean there was a point I think in the fourth quarter when we were what we were ahead by what was it two and Penix threw that you know that bad interception, but I mean really the the flow of the game and it, we were just scoring easily and they were you know they had to have a fake punt they had to have these you know rid- ridiculous uh, plays by Ward on well, the um, fourth you know the fourth down conversion rate yeah, like, like yeah. he texted me like because they're just you're saying look, they're working really hard for points and you know we were talking like how how long can they live on these just kind of miraculous plays or you know the fake pump play which should have been read by Washington much better but um yeah I mean they were just working so hard 
to to keep up. Yeah, and when they scored in the second half, I mean, that's because, you know, we gave them, you know, Cam Davis had a fumble, which if you have better angles, he was down. It looked like he was down before the ball came out. But, like, what? I mean, where are the other angles on the broad? You you can't even see. It was very strange. I mean, even the broadcast alone, not only were Washington fans or the Washington team battling the refs, even though the Cougs would tell you the refs cost them the game which is hilarious, but even the broadcasters, I mean, they were just all, I mean, they just were loving themselves some Coug. I mean, it was insane. I, those announcers are, I have to say, worse than Rod Gilmore. <laughs> if you're worse than Rod Gilmore, I'm sorry, but you do not belong on a television broadcast. Yeah, but, you know, there, there's ESPN, Fox, you know, Pac-12 Network, you have all these so you're, you're number nine, you know, what letter are we down to? Your, your J team, your J broadcast right. team. I mean, that's, it's not like the old days where you had like three or four broadcast teams. Um, but it, it, here's another thing. They were late hitting us. It seemed like in the first half, like oh, every oh, time yeah. we were going out of bounds, they were just, they were hitting us out of bounds. Well, and uh, Taj Davis got the sweep of the leg in the fourth quarter, I believe it was the fourth quarter, the DB just completely uh, took him to the ground, swept his leg out of bounds. And yeah. that was not called. The The targeting call on Westover, which gave him a concussion, I mean, you saw it immediately. I mean, obviously they confirmed it later on. Uh, to, to not even get a review of that hit, insane. And then, yeah. and then, Coug fans claiming that the PI call against the Cougs was the deciding play of the game. Just, just Washington was scoring at will. Pedix was just chucking the ball wherever he wanted. They could have thrown. He probably could have thrown. You know, another three or four deep balls for touchdowns easily. Yeah. No, and I and that's what I love about this offense. Like when you have this kind of an offense, just you, just go for it all until the other team really proves they can stop it. You know, you, you just I, the second half. I mean, the first play, just another bomb for a touchdown. It's like, I it, it's just it's great to watch an offense just really putting as much pressure as it can on the defense and really like, uh, you know, taking the top off and trying to do that. Not every play, but I mean, they're, yeah, I mean, and that was a good defense too. I mean, other than the Oregon game, I mean, even USC only scored 30 points on those guys. Oregon in the fourth quarter, okay, what was it, like 45 to 30, Oregon won, what, 44 to 31? Oregon yeah. only had 30 points against them in the fourth quarter. We we had 51, including a turnover in the red zone where – yeah, and turn over, one turnover in the red zone, and then another one where we were on the four-yard line or three-yard line, and we kicked a field goal. So we left points out there. It easily could have been worse. Uh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It, it, it was, it, <clears throat> it, it, like, they had no breathing room, the defense, because like, you know, when they're just chucking the ball down the field like that, just big play after big play. Uh, you know, converting third downs. Um, it just puts so much pressure uh, on the defense. And, and 
you know, where are they going to go to next? Who do we cover? Who do we defend? I mean, it was just a masterclass. And I, I can't even imagine, you know, it's like on Twitter, like talking to these kook fans. Okay, you can say all these things, but look at look at the stats. 704 yards of total offense. You had no answer. Uh, ref officials, it was 10 penalties to Washington to the Cougs, five. When we talk about, about targeting, the targeting rule, and you know, some of the mystery around when it's called and when it's not, I mean, that is textbook targeting. The guy leads with his crown of his helmet into another player's head i mean it was i mean what are the refs even looking at yeah it was they were not calling anything it's it it, it was bizarre i mean okay on penix's touchdown where he, he as a receiver he caught the pass there it, one of our guys was holding on that play that they missed thankfully and yet they can complain about you know the pass interference was kind of iffy but they were whole like jeremiah martin and trice were getting held on every play like they and, could not block those guys like the, I think it was the la, one of the last plays of the game where Jeremiah Martin is being held while he's still. I mean, the guy's holding him, and he's still like making the sack at the same time. I mean, Jesus Christ! They weren't. They could not block our edge guys. Period. Like every every play, they were holding. There, there was a play where Smalls was literally the guy like had his shoulder, like his hands <laughs> under his shoulder pads, holding. Smalls couldn't move because the guy was literally <laughs> holding onto his shoulder pads. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was egregious. Um, I, I did to note, though, I mean, the Cougs did were able to move the ball. And I did notice at a lot of times it was when Smalls and ZTF were on the edge. When Trice and Martin are out there, I mean, it's like night and day in regards to what those two uh, bring to the line um, you know it makes things very difficult uh, for the offense those guys are going to be really missed we've talked about that but to your point they had to hold them they had to hold those guys because they were so dominant um, uh, yeah just the, the gap we have there with Martin and uh, Trice you know, losing those guys is those are not easily replaceable dudes. Yeah, and I, I was going to point it to offensively. I'm trying to find the stat. Like Cashcomb uh, tweeted it, but our third down offense was at like 57, percent which I think it, it was really high. Like I think the last time we converted was was it 2016. It was something like one of the highest converting third down offenses. Um, yeah, so I, th I thought I saw the st I thought I saw we were in the sixties. Was it the sixties? Um. Anyway, I, I yeah. I'm just I'm being, trying to find it. Yeah, the point being is again, you know, that's just back breaking. You know, when we're a fan watching the Husky defense give up third down after third down, it's just demoralizing. And you know, that's demoralizing for a defense. And again, this is all without. A, I don't want to say you know an elite running game because there's only a few running games. But I mean, if this if this offense just had an above average running game compared to other teams in the league, I mean, look look at what the the run you know Oregon State who's who's lived on their run game. Um, but we've that, also yeah. been running the ball much better the last two weeks. 
True. Yeah, that that is true. Uh, totally yeah, good, good point. Yeah, we we have been we have been running the ball because um, well, we're probably Penix in the past game is so lethal that now it's really right, right. opening up. I mean, you know when Talapapa is getting chunk runs, you know there's some huge ass holes. <laughs> yeah. Then Softy had a tweet like a week or two ago that uh, I think it was something about like Tali Papa has like the most like op- open yards of like any back he's ever seen or something. He, yeah, he may have. I missed it. But yeah, he's had a lot of wide open runs. That's for sure. But I'm just I'm just saying like if you had I mean, imagine like a, you know, a Miles, you know, Gaskin or like a Bishop Sankey or. Even like a Lewis Rankin in this offense. I mean, of course, you know, Lewis Rankin was great on a bad team, but that that's just my point. Right. If you had above average, sh- short of elite back, like it would be – it. W- I mean, imagine Bishop Sankey in this offense. It would have been – it would have – it would be insane. I mean, that's, that's where you're like one player away of being like – Literally unstoppable. You would yeah, you be would, virtually would be, unstoppable with Sankey. You would be undefeated. You would like you would you would be undefeated. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a realistic statement. And that just it just goes to show you. I mean, it's a cliche, but coaching and you get an elite quarterback, it just it transcends everything. And we've been talking. How long we've we been talking about that? In the game, and, like, <laughs> to be honest, like I tweeted this in the middle of last season, and just watch it. And it's you know not to throw shade at Dylan Morris, obviously throwing shade at Donovan and Jimmy Lake, but I tweeted it last season. Like, if this team had a quarterback, they would actually be pretty good. Right. I mean, like you know, last team or last year, you know, you look at like the game against Oregon last year. I mean, I know they faded, but they were still in the top ten at that point. You know, we played them hard for three quarters with no offense, basically. I mean, you stick uh, – Penix, obviously. But even if you just have like a – you know, even like a Jake Browning on last year's team, they go like eight and four probably. Yeah. I mean, even just like a – so having – and not just that, then you have an elite quarterback, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, like, you know, like we're saying, you Bishop Sankey or, you know, what if the cornerbacks – Obviously they weren't, but what if, what if the cornerbacks from last year, including Bookie, what if all three of those guys came back? You're undefeated. Yeah, you're undefeated. You're probably going to make the playoff. I'm not saying you're going to win the playoff, but it's you know you're, you're still. Yeah. yeah. Listen to how we're talking. We haven't talked like this in a long time. <laughs> I, I found the stat. This is the best third down conversion team in the last decade. They're number five. Alabama 2020, 58.9. Georgia Tech in 14, 57. LSU in 13, 57. Army in 18, 57. UW football 22, 57.06%. The fifth best third down conversion team in the last 10 years. Yeah, and I don't even count tw- the 2020 season with right. Alabama. You know, that was a joke season. Right. Fair point. So that's pretty elite. I mean that that's <laughs> it's just a, an elite quarterback. I mean, man, it's just that and the the coaching. And uh, you know, someone put, was it a question like how much should Penix or or DeBoer 
invoice or how much should Penix invoice to bore for this season? And you know, now I'm all for it. Like DeBoer's a hell of a coach. I mean, even look what he, I mean, in respects to quarterbacks, if we're just talking quarterbacks, what he did with Hayner when everyone and their mom was shitting on Hayner as a Husky fan. The next year he balls out. Penix is insane. His pocket presence, the way they move him around, being left-handed, the way he steps into the pocket, which we hadn't seen in years, and I know we've gone through this, but just the subtle, the subtleties uh, of Penix's pocket presence and the way he moves is insane. Uh, and, and you know they were they were rolling him out early, and I think that was partly why he might have been off a little bit to start because. They, they would not roll him out as much. It didn't seem like in, in you know prior games to the Apple Cup. They really, they really started out the game moving him around, and he was really just pretty much a pocket passer. And I, I'm just wondering if that was like kind of messing up his rhythm early because he was, he was throwing on the move a little bit more than I think he normally does, especially to start the game. And those were you know scripted movements, right? That, that he wasn't rolling out because he was feeling the pressure. I mean, that was what the, the call was or the play was designed for. So I was wondering if that might have been why he maybe started out uh, a little off uh, in the game. Maybe. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a really interesting point. You know, another thing on DeBoer, which I also met, I mean, do you remember the 2017 season? when we Fresno state ended up winning 10 games, you know, we beat them, I don't know, 50 to 20, or it was, it was a huge blowout. Like they were actually a decent team that year. Well, DeBoer was the offensive coordinator in their quarterback that year transferred from Oregon state, Marcus McMarion. And so he, that's another I mean, the, the Hainer is obvious, but Marcus McMarion before Hainer was another guy who just, nobody would have thought it would have been anything who, was actually a good quarterback in Fresno State won. I think they won 10 games that year with DeBoer as the offensive coordinator. So, I mean, it, DeBoer is really an elite offensive coach. He and, is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we obviously, and just a couple of things. Credit to us because you know, we were talking about it, you know, before the season with Tech. Like, these guys know how to coach offense. They have a really good track record. Penix can be a really good quarterback. You know, we need him to, if, if he's healthy and if we can stop the run on defense, that's how we can win 10 games. Well, we're 10 and 2, and Penix probably even exceeded our expectations based on the end of the season, the last four games. Oh, I would yeah. say he exceeded our expectations. Obviously, the pass defense has been terrible, but, you know, our run defense, fortunately, has been, I mean, it's been good enough. It's been well, good enough. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then there's there's a lot of co- topics to cover, and I know we have a lot of questions. So I mean, we might get to the questions a little earlier because I think it, a lot of the questions are going to bleed into a lot of the thoughts that we have about yeah uh, the coaching, the defense. I know someone mentioned. I think there was a question about the second half for the defense in the Apple Cup. Why why we saw an improvement because it was drastic. I mean, the Cougs only. I think they had 129 total yards and six points in the second half. Um, So we we can jump into that. But, uh, yeah, there's no question that 
these guys can coach offense. And I think Grub, Grub is now locked up uh, through 2025, of what I saw today, I believe. Yeah, and- Grub has mentioned that he has the goal to be head coach. But to your point of what DeBoer did at Fresno State in the offense court, I mean, it's still his offense at the end of the day. This is DeBoer's offense. Yeah. So it, do we want to lose Grub? Do I want to see Grub go? No. But as long as DeBoer's that guy, I feel I feel comfortable that we will see a continued, you know, elite offense under DeBoer regardless of his assistance. And that's another sign of a good head coach. Yeah, and that that's a good uh, – yeah, I want to piggyback on that because I don't think I finished a point I made earlier. Be, I mean, it can be kind of cliche, but obviously for coaches, you know, winning in November is important. And if you look at our best performances, you could say the last four games were probably four of our five best, you know, four of our six best, you know, maybe – you know, maybe the Michigan State, you know, depending on where these teams are ranked in metrics. But you get the point. Four, you know, you could say maybe three or four. Those those last, you know, the last third of the season, those were four of our five best performances on the year. And that's what you want. I mean, later in the season, you want that. And also, the big games component where, you know, you're, you're able to crush Michigan State early in the season. You know, Oregon is an upset. You know, that's huge. Obviously, Wazoo, you know, there was a the line in that game was only one or two points for UW. So it was a lot of, a lot of people, including me, were saying it's a coin flip. You you end up winning that game by 18 where the score was really, I mean, it was really worse than that if you look at the statistics. So I, I think, I don't want to say DeBoer is a great big game coach, but we're seeing we're seeing some early signs of that versus, I mean, obviously I love Peterson, but you know, in a lot of big games or a lot of really close games that we struggled to win those, you know, he maybe he had the wrong demeanor on the sideline and we were playing tight or whatever. I mean, people talked about that, but you know, doing well in, in big games and also having upsets, you know, that's, I mean, that's really, really important. If, 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 you know, if, if, if you want the coach to not just be a good coach, but to be a championship coach who might be a unicorn. I mean, you look at Don James, you know, early in his career, what he did at Kent State, he probably had some significant upsets because, I mean, they were terrible historically. You know, and then you have the 1978 Rose Bowl, um, you know, the Oklahoma game in 1984. Um, and also, I mean, you know, be, be, Peterson, when he was at Boise, you know, he had obviously he lost the fire, you know, a- after a couple years at UW. But yes. early in his career, he had lots of upsets, you know, with Boise State. And so, oh yeah, I guess you know, I know I'm I'm talking way too much to make a simple point, but um, you're seeing really, you know, the upsetting Oregon, finishing the year really strong, you know, beating your rivals by a lot, having you know the strongest performances at the end of the year that just reinforces, you know, a belief in DeBoer that he could be a championship coach. Well, and he's also leveraged a lot of clout now. Uh, he's bought himself a lot of time. I mean, you know, you already got an extension. You got a million-dollar raise. You beat Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State. I mean, you're the North Division champ. 
I mean, in you know, regardless of how the conference has changed things, but they're, I mean, they're the North Division champs. You can say that. That that's not something you you know you cannot say. I mean, that's just facts. Um, and all those things together, you know, he he has put himself in a really good position again to to negotiate further um either with Washington or uh, a bigger opportunity that he feels like he wants to move to I would say he has put himself in a really good spot uh with a four win team prior 10 wins with the New York's New Year's six uh bowl uh, you know potentially ahead uh, he it's amazing he's not gotten more coverage as it is and and that's the same thing with Penix. and you know UW has started the hazard campaign way too late um I know I'm getting off on the tangent but point being is DeBoer has leveraged himself quite nicely as a head coach uh with this season yeah it's all deserved and yeah I mean not to rip on the UW but in the UWAD, which I know we love doing. But, yeah, the, the Heisman campaign, it's like what people were saying on Twitter. Should have started after the Michigan State game, then after Oregon, full drive. Like, what they're doing now, that they should have been doing that after the Oregon game. It just Not feels- when the season is over. And and the other thing is, like, the highlights that they're showing. You know, I, I, I tweeted a couple days ago, okay, you need a short video with his best highlights. Right. His, his I, I don't know if I said 10 best highlights or something. Uh, but whatever. So today there was some, they put out some video of his ten best highlights. No, don't put anything with Kent State and Portland State. Okay, you're not going to win the Heisman because you throw some bomb against Portland State, where our receivers right. are open by ten fucking yards and nobody's in the stands. Okay, I mean no, like no, all these highlights should be from the Michigan State game. You know, maybe the Oregon State game the Oregon game, and then the Wazoo game. Like, those four games, okay? Nothing from Portland State and Kent State, okay? Nothing where, you know, you have the – I'm sorry, I'm not – but you have Pac-12 Network and some – you know, not ripping on any announcers, but it sounds like a fucking high school game that nobody's watching. Like, no, you're not doing it right. And and on top of that, you you know, you should add in some of the the – you know, color commentators of their comments they've made uh, about yes. his ability, right? Like rocket shot from Brock or, you know, things like that. Or like, you know, no player in America can make that throw or, you know, all the things that people are raving about when watching him play. Um, you know, th- th- those things are just, you know, the cherry on top, so to speak, when, when you're putting together that package of highlights. And the- and they, yeah, sorry, they left out two throws against Michigan State. They left out the one right before halftime where he actually, you know, he had to elude some pressure. He got out of the pocket. Um, Was that when he hit Polk or Tali Papa? Um, I think he hit Polk, yeah. That that was, like, at the at the very end yeah, of the second quarter. Like, that was a really good play. And, yeah, the Tali Papa, what, they didn't show that, where it was, the Tali Papa was covered and he just throws this just dart. Laser, yeah. Just, yeah, laser, just right to, I mean... Come on. Like, why aren't you using those? I mean, these voters, they're not going to care about some throw against Portland State (laughs) or Kent State. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, remember the the Heisman drive they did for Locker, I think, his senior year? I mean, it was – they put a lot of work into that. I mean, granted, 
you know, Locker ended the season strongly. Didn't he have like five TDs against Cal to end the year or something like that? Uh, oh, yeah, 2009. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I was thinking of 2010 where the defense ca- like basically carried us. Yeah, well, but yeah, you're you're right. 2009. Yeah, you're right. And and um, you know, obviously, I don't know. I remember they did a lot. They were like doing mailers and they did a lot of collateral marketing material. Like, granted, they didn't know what they had with Penix, but I think early, you know, to your point, they could have really started ramping this stuff early on, uh, especially after yeah. Michigan State. They're they're just asleep at the wheel. And that's, again, that's from the top down. And not to go off into a rant, but <clears throat> I do want to get this off my chest. <laughs> okay. Uh, look, it's great that uh, we hired, you could say Jen Cohen hired uh, DeBoer, but let's give it some time before we start to crown her. I mean, I'm seeing people on, you know, dog man maybe on well, i don't know about on discord but you know definitely on dog man and obviously there was a guy on twitter who was ribbing us after the first four games i'm sure he's going to reappear any day now <laughs> yeah um but i mean come on that that's that's her job and people who are in those positions who make a lot of money they oh. have to be able to take major criticism Look, anybody in a job where you have customers and clients, I mean, Jimmy, your clients, if you fuck up on something or you're not doing something right, they have the right to tell you about it. Am I wrong? 100%. No, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, this is just so now look, stuff online where people are commenting on her physical appearance and that's I mean, now that's like, you know, that that's below the belt and really bad. Um, and I, I, I have not done any of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's uncalled for. Yeah. That, that's totally uncalled for, but it, I mean, it's totally fine to give your feedback and give constructive criticism and, you know, also criticize in some cases. I mean, that look, that's part of the job. When you have jobs like that, that's part of the job. That's part, part of why you get paid a lot of money. Okay. Look, it's great for Cohen. Her stock is looking better right now, but not for you know, the basketball. Yeah, I mean, uh, bas- look, Hopkins has been a dud. Jimmy Lake was a complete, a complete disaster. And look, it, even Kim Grinnell's on Dogman was saying, I screen capped it. Oh, she she's mama bear. She cares about the player. When Jimmy Lake touched that player, it was over. Okay, Kim, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Okay, because Christian Cable was reporting on this. You saw the tech the text messages. She was even unsure whether to fire Jimmy Lake after the fact. So if Jimmy Lake didn't strike that player during the Oregon game last year, we would be we would be in fucking purgatory. Yeah, we would high, be in we problem. would be in dog shit right now. Yeah, it would be another year of pissing and moaning. Yes, I mean That's- she did not have the. You lose to fucking Montana. You're, you lose to Montana. I mean, he should have already been fired. Yeah. After, at, at that point, I mean, I mean, the decision to fire him after that game should have already been made. Absolutely, and, and imagine the portal. Uh, I mean, if if Lake had stayed, you, you know, there would have been defectors for sure. No, totally. And I mean, that's 
getting back to the, this season, that's really where it turned. I think was the optimism where there was concern. Totally. A lot of guys were going to leave, but DeBoer was able to keep basically everybody. Yeah. The, most I mean, the, key, the key guys that were really important. And I, I know it's one of the questions too, but I mean, we do have to give a shout out to the offensive line. Um, they, they've improved, uh, you know, from start, you know, from the start of the year to now they've gotten a lot, but I mean, Penix is as clean as you can get. Yeah. How, do you feel, how do you feel about Huff now? Well, and I think we get a question about this, but you, you have to obviously give him credit. I mean, all those guys are guys he's recruited. Um, but, you know, they've really flourished under this scheme. Their pass blocking is insane. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, it's Huff's job to execute what DeBoer and Grubb want out of the offensive line. And he's clearly doing that. Um, but I think, you know, Grubb was asked about it and that, you know, they saw potential in Huff. He watched three years of film prior. Uh, you know, I think right when he came on of the prior seasons, I, I think you have to just give a lot of credit to, to, to Grubb and DeBoer on, on the improvement, but it, it can't go unnoticed that, that Huff is obviously communicating what they want. Okay. And, and, and at the same time, I mean, when you're coaching the line under Donovan and Jimmy Lake, maybe it's those guys who are the problem and their Fair. shit well, system. Here's the other thing, too. Penix does not hold on to the ball very long, too. So the flip side of it is, you know, the offensive line is also working with a, a quarterback that has tremendous pocket presence knows what he wants to do with the ball very quickly. And we got that from, you know, when he broke down every play with Capel, I believe it was. Um, he's clearly a, you know, a student of the game. Oh, yeah. If you see his interview on the Pac-12 network after the Oregon game, like he's not just some dumb jock who's throwing bombs. And not that no, anybody he- thought that, but it's like there, there's a re- there's some reasons why this guy, like you don't get you don't get to be that good without being a student of the game and really knowing and understanding how to play quarterback. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's some of that to where, you know, he's just not holding on to the ball very long. Um, so, you know, there, you only have to block for so long, which is probably nice for an offensive lineman too. Um, but the way that they're able to develop a pocket for him as well, uh, is clearly impressive. So, look, I mean, at this stage, I, I I can't say anything negative about Huff. I mean, that's where, you know, we have in the past called it out how we've seen it, and how, what we're seeing right now is a very proficient offensive line, and I think the run blocking has improved. Um, that's the other thing, your point about, like, winning in November, rival games, we're not seeing a regression with the team. And, you know, I texted you before the coup game where I'm like, I have a little bit of bad feeling about this game tonight. And I think some of that's just, <laughs> we've been stung too many times. Yeah. With the team. Yeah. Um, and, and I think though, 
But you could say, like, after looking at Colorado, they're hitting on all cylinders, they're on fire, blah, blah, blah. But then, obviously, the way the game kind of started, you're like, shit, is is the win, you know, to, on the backs of the Cougs tonight a little bit just because they're feasting on such, you know, crazy plays and conversions. So, <clears throat> but obviously, obviously, uh, you know, they got it done. But Yeah, but um... – someone tweeted a couple weeks or maybe it was before last week that the, the drive against Oregon state, like that was a turning point of the season. The 97 yarder. Yeah. Yeah. Or I guess it was what, like a 90, 92 yarder. Cause we didn't score, but 93. Yeah. Something 90. like that. Well, cause it, it, what, it probably started on the two or the three and it got down to the two or the three. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean that make you know that makes a lot of sense after that because obviously great performance against Oregon, destroy Colorado, and you know all in all good performance against the Cougs. I mean, if if not for Ward's heroics, now granted he's he, he can't throw. I mean he just the fir- yeah. first quarter he was just guys were open and he was just missing them badly. And, and there was a few, you know, there was a number of plays where the receivers, you know, kind of saved the ball for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, and I think you, you messaged me at some point in the game where like Ward's just not, you know, a proficient passer. And I, and I had tweeted out like, look, simple fact, you know, Washington wins this game, you know, containing, you know, not, just don't let Ward find lanes because they're just they're not going to be able to 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 string together long drives unless Ward is completing or is converting with some crazy run. Yeah. You know, there were so many times they, they had him wrapped up and just missed him. And, you know, so, I mean, really, I mean, they had, you don't let Ward get outside the tackles or, you know, find an open lane for him to run in. I mean, they're, they're just going to have a really hard time winning that game. Yeah, what were we doing in the second half? Was it, I mean, I know it looked because Wilbur Hook's hand pointed out that we were blitzing a little bit more. It looked like there was one, there was one play. I think it was pretty important where it was what, it was a true freshman who got a sack. It was on like the plus, their plus 40 yard line. It may, maybe it was third down or yeah, I think it was third down where it was like a pretty big sack and they had a long fourth down or, or maybe it was like a, a came on second down, but um, yeah. Do you think we were, I, that is one question. I mean, do you think we were blitzing a little bit more in the second half or what? I what think happened? we were being, uh, oops, more, more disciplined. Uh, sorry, I hit my mic. Uh, I think it would just be more disciplined as a defense. You know, not getting out of lanes, run lanes. Um, oh man, sorry, mess over here. Everything's falling. Oh, no worries. Uh, yeah, I think they were just playing more disciplined football, not getting out of position. I think it was a yeah, lot. Of- and by the way, um, MJ Alley did not play, and hmm. uh, Tuli uh, Fatui Tuatele did mention something about in passing about uh, Thule being sick. I'm sure Ulafosio was probably sick too. So yeah, we didn't, we didn't have our full, we didn't have our full defense. 
And there was a couple D line guys I don't think I even recognized. I didn't even know who they were. <laughs> yeah, the 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 guy Parker, the true Parker. freshman who I think is from. He has the. Are they from Detroit? I don't know. Oh, the twins. Yeah. I, yeah, maybe. Uh, I'll have to look at because like I was watching the game with Andrew and he was like, "Are you kidding me? That guy?" Because he was really excited like when that guy was on the spaces. Uh-huh. Uh, over the summer and he was like dude this guy is total he's like th- these guys are total fast strategy like he was shocked that like <laughs> i'm trying to find uh trying to find the uh roster but like andrew was sh- he's like that guy he was like he that was him he was like so he was just like so excited that he got that sack well i mean yeah part partly you know maybe- J- yeah javon parker yeah they're both from detroit okay yeah well, yeah, I mean, ninety, uh, yeah, ninety-four. Javon yeah. Parker's been playing. Well, there you go. Got some PT. Yeah, um, I actually, I actually got a response out of Ryan Leaf on Twitter because <laughs> he was bitching about the PI call or something. I said, I said something to the fact did you watch the game, Ryan? He's like, you know, I did, fucker. <laughs> What did he call it, brother? Or did he call it? Uh, he said, I, you know, I watched the fucking game or something like that. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> did you did you see Ryan Leaf? I think it was last week where um, he was in a in a thread. And I don't know if he just jumped in or if, if, you know, he saw his name being mentioned. But Jets fans were, like, bitching about something. And Ryan Leaf, like, they were. I, they, I don't know. They were, you know, they probably said something unkind or something. And Ryan Leaf responded. And he was just intimate. He's like, uh, the Jets have had a. He said the Jets have had a worse last ten years than me, and I spent three of those years in prison. Yeah, I did see that comment. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. I mean, when when you can be authentic like that and just like uh, own it, you know, yeah, just like poke fun at yourself a little bit like self-deprecating man that goes a really long way like that that was hilarious no i mean i if you looked at him in the early days and how you know where he is now it's a that's certainly a transformation especially all the trouble he got in you know between now and then too i mean gotta give the guy a little credit for sure yeah he's he's really likable now yeah i agree i agree uh, should we go through some of these? Uh, yeah, let's let's questions. get through this. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, who is your who is your favorite Coug account to check after our traditional Apple Cup wins? You know, what's funny is that I don't see a lot of Coug talk until around the Apple Cup, and uh, you know that's a good question. I don't have a specific person, but I do kind of like to see Puckett and Furness kind of like you know wine and crow because. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Furness Puckett's. Yeah, you know, they're kooks, man. They're on the yeah, flash. They're awful. Yeah, just on the flagship station, trashing the Huskies. Yeah. How about you? You got a, you got a kook? Uh, probably Jim Moore, I would say. Oh, well, of course. But I, I liked I fair. liked one of his tweets. He had a he said some good things about Penix. Even Mike Salk, I almost replied to Mike Salk, and he, Salk was saying he expects Penix to be a, a, have a good pro career. And I almost was going to say, like, Salk, like, this is why you're actually – because 
he was one of the only local people to call out Sark for just being a shitty coach. Yeah. Yeah, fair. I was going to reply and say, Salk, this is why we need your comments in this market. You know, you actually, yes, I dis, you know, we dislike your hate of college football and hate of Husky football, but I think, you know, I think your opinions are pretty Still reasonable. Local, right? And yeah. they stand, you know, they stand out from Softy and, you know, all these other cougs. I, I think you're right, though. I think Jim Moore is probably my favorite account to check because. And I think it was UW Leah points out that, you know, Kook fans really get up for this game. They hate Husky fans. They hate the Huskies where they would never, ever root for Husky where, I mean, I'm never rooting for the Cougs, but I'll watch them, you know. But the the Husky, the Kook fan is watching the game to see the Huskies lose, right? Like, there's a lot of yes. vitriol uh, with the Kook fan base. And, uh, you know, Jim Moore, boy, for a betting guy, he is really bad. I, I can't imagine why he bets because he is usually always wrong. Hopefully, <clears throat> hopefully he's uh, not betting with much money. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had that he had some bet and it was like five bucks to win 60 bucks. So I think he's probably doing, you know, dollar bets, eight bucks. But he had a 14 parlay. And uh, the fourth pick was Wazoo beating. He had hit three of the four, but his fourth was Wazoo beating Washington, which clearly he didn't win. And he, and he said, take the two and a half with Indy, uh, and uh, Pittsburgh beat him by seven <laughs> for Monday Night Football last night. So don't take the Jim Moore lock of the week, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, next question. If the balance of offensive talent returns, does that change how aggressively UW is in the portal at addressing its defense? What is a realistic ceiling if attaching an offense of this caliber with a defense that is 25% better? Well, you know, and I think that was one thing, you know, to come down to earth a bit a little bit about is looking at next year's schedule. Let's say you get that 25% bump with this offense. They, they have four road games in a row next year at Michigan State at Arizona at Oregon State that can't be right yeah I don't think the schedules come out yet I mean we know the games but we don't know the dates yeah what am I talking I mean I'm not four in a row like I was reading that you're right well we do have dates for the first three Boise State second Tulsa at Michigan State yeah to be announced but I mean, they're at excuse me at Arizona State. As I'm reading, like, what? This makes no sense. At Arizona or Oregon State, which we know Oregon State plays tough at home. They're at USC. Um, Utah's going to be a home game. Utah's a home game. Oregon's a home game. I Ari- think we. I think we're missing Colorado or Arizona. Probably we're missing UCLA and and either Colorado or Arizona. We're, no, we play Arizona. We're at oh, we do. Yeah, we're at Arizona. Yeah, we miss Colorado and UCLA next year. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, Arizona. You have Arizona, Oregon State, and USC on the road. Yeah, I mean, and then Michigan State, and then who's the other one? Yeah, you're going to be at Arizona. You're Stanford. at Stanford. You're at Stanford. Yeah, who will have a new coach? <clears throat> but Arizona, if they don't lose, um, Delora. Yeah, and then one of their receivers 
Yeah, it's really good. On the Discord, Sonics was saying that like people are sniffing. You know, they're gonna make him an offer. People from other schools, of course, they are. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, it's college football. It's getting a little bit more like the NFL with you know the off season. I mean, what does Washington do? What do they try? Who do you approach? You know, if you're Washington. Well, but, I think I think huh? first the first key will be trying to if guys are thinking about coming back I mean there there was a positive tweet about Odunze and McMillan I mean if you can if you can pay money to Trice Odunze and uh Penix I mean the first two would be Trice and Penix I mean I I like Odunze but I wide receivers are well, I like Taj Davis, and Taj is progressing. They have some yeah, young talent. And, and Polk, <laughs> and, and we, we can. There's probably there's probably a receiver we can find in the portal. It's really look, Trice and Penix. Those yeah, are the big Buka ones. Is, I mean, granted, Egbuka's a five star, but I mean, he's clearly you know making impact. I was like, you can find good talented receivers, and you have Jalen Polk. Yeah, I mean, look at that ferret guy on yeah, Wazoo, Farrell. Farrell. Yeah. I mean. He wasn't. I mean, that guy was pretty good, actually. I know. Our, I know our defense isn't the greatest, but I mean, reminds that... me of, like the Jarzinka or um, who is that guy? Britt Covey. Britt Covey. Or who's the yeah the Cougs? They had a guy like five or six years ago, Craycraft, River yeah, Craycraft. Craycraft. Yeah. Is yeah. What you were thinking? Uh, no, it was a Husky receiver. Oh, Janoski. Dave Janoski. Was it Janoski? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Janoski. What about Jarzinka? Yeah, he was more of a return specialist. He was though. a return specialist, but, I mean, he. I think he made some pretty decent grabs, a few decent grabs. Yeah. But, yeah, the other kid's good. Yeah. I mean, to your point, yeah. I mean, I think receiver, they can find guys. But, I mean, they'll do this very And good. I, I mean, yeah, I, I do think, yeah. Obviously, Rome is great, but he's not. Maybe it's just I'm being too hard on him because I'm using like Reggie Williams as a comparison. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I wouldn't. <laughs> but I don't know because like, I don't think Rome. I don't think he's as good as John Ross. Like I not in college, not in college. <clears throat> I think yeah, but, he'll have a better pro career. Rome, he he has to break tackles and score, and we almost saw that on. Um, where he got us, to, yeah, I think we ended up throwing interception. Yeah, no, he got him. Um, yeah, that was a good play. He almost scored, but like that, we got we got to see more plays uh, like that out of him and Jalen. And like to be honest, like not to bring up Puka, but th- that's why Puka's really good. Because there's a lot of I know he's injury prone. He transferred, but if you watch Puka, he's a threat to score every time he gets the ball. Like he's yeah. one of those guys, and that's what we need to see. Out of Rome and McMillan, yeah, um, and so I, I think Rome is like he's probably like a, someone. I think I don't know if it was Sonics or somebody else on the Discord. A scout said he was a third round pick. So and who knows with Trice? I mean, yeah, these guys could go, but if if we just focus on let's raise a shit ton of money and just keep all these guys, well, let's, you, let's see the if they can there. pay them so they can come back for one more year. The money's there. <laughs> the money's there. It's just, are we going to do it? Um, 
But well, it, was, it also depends on what the players, you know, what the, the there is uh, one one. I, I want to try and find a quote. It's from a couple of days ago, but it was about Penix. But yeah, we'll get to that. Um, well, I'm just gonna say, but you know, for Odunze, you know, come back to you know these guys come. They gotta know who the quarterback's gonna be. Yeah, so maybe the three of them, it'll be some kind of a maybe a little bit of a package deal. Well, they, they all have to be talking, right? I mean, if you're so when, when, when you is want... the de- when's the NFL deadline? I don't know. Not someone in the someone in the Discord, they had a funny thing that like, if uh, if if JTT and Emeka, yeah, were to portal to UW right now, could they play in the Rose Bowl for UW? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know that that would be some irony, though, right? If Washington played those guys, I well, I, w- I want to talk about that a little bit, but let's let's yeah, let's move on. It. We got we we already okay. Wait, um, but I think yeah to to button up a text question there. I think obviously we're going to be aggressive in the portal, regardless, because I think it goes back to DeBoer. I think he he's really competitive, and this guy's not going to sit around and just accept having a fucking mediocre roster. Well, he can't watch. He can't watch that game and feel good about the defense. Yeah, or most of the season. Yeah, right. But I mean, they were getting smoked in the first half. Granted, they they buttoned yeah. it up in the second, but I mean, it was it was ugly, and there was all the miscommunication and timeouts. Like there was, you know, but that could have been too, where you know newer guys coming in. Not in the rotation, guys being sick, things like that. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, guys being sick. Um, yeah, we weren't a hundred percent, but anyway, um, is the greatness that is Wayne Talapapa not being promoted enough by James Odunze on Twitter? I think that's from your buddy Chief Beijing. What, is that what, your buddy? What's the question? Exactly? Is the greatness that is Wayne Talapapa not being promoted enough by James Odunze on Twitter? Is the greatness? I guess yeah, I, I I don't get the I don't get the joke. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's alluding to James Odunze, who's comp- complaining that the school wasn't promoting Rome enough for the Bolitnikov Award. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe is is Tali Papa not getting enough uh, shoutouts? Yeah, I don't know how serious it is. Well, I mean, Tali Papa's had some nice moments. Yeah. I mean, James Odunze going off about his son. I mean, there's there's some there's some oddities in some of the things said. I mean, not not the best look. If my if my I, I certainly as a father would not be making tweets like that about my kid if they were uh you know, on a team, I'd kind of probably just keep my mouth shut. But that's just me. I think the I think the kid probably doesn't care that much. He's probably not. I don't think probably cares much. Probably. Oh, speaking of um, speaking of uh, fathers and their kids, how about G. Scott Jr.? Oh, woof! Not good. Now I I, I I for I I you know I get a lot of work done on Saturday mornings, so and I I gave up my cable, so I just watch on YouTube. A lot of college games are streamed on YouTube, and I kind of missed the significant. Just tell me the significant. It seemed like that was like a real turning point in the game. Yeah, I, 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 I was able to watch it. 
a fair bit of that game, actually. And I, I did miss what the significance of that play was uh, with the game flow uh, or with the penalty or what that changed. I, I frankly, I don't know uh, what that play, uh, you know, what the result of that play was. But I, I did read somewhere that it was, like, significant. Yeah, I think Michigan was ahead by four. I want to say it was towards the end of the third quarter. And because of that penalty, they had like a third and 25. Oh, shit. Oof. Yeah, well, not a good look. Not a good look. Um, yeah, people bad. on Twitter were having – they were having a good time with that. You know, and I'm sorry, but if you're going to public tweet and you're kind of just going to be a, a – you know, kind of brash and outspoken – if you're going to do it on a social media platform, you better be ready to take the heat when the shit hits the fan. When something like that happens, and and you can say, people don't have to say it, but you know, if you expose yourself like he has over the years, it's just going to come back at you when the opportunity arises. That's just the way this shit works. Yeah. Am I saying it's right? Am I saying that's appropriate? I'm not saying those are that's the case, but it's just you're going to open yourself up for a lot of criticism. Yeah, not a. It's it's unfortunate the kid did that. That's a really, really bad play in that game. Just a boneheaded play. Oh well, yeah, it's completely absurd. And you know that's the other thing too, Chess. <laughs> All of these, and this is what's a little annoying, is that some sort of like altercation or conversation or a, a a moment somewhere in a sideline or in a group of a fans where someone has a camera on you, man, next thing you know, you're a viral clip, just like that organ player hitting that fan. Who knows what that player said to the player? It's just a bad look. And, you know, it's just the era we're in. Nothing will be missed. Yeah, well, Oregon could have used uh, that kind of physicality there trying to stop the run <laughs> late in that game. Right. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, and you got to be careful with cameras. I mean, if you're, <clears throat> you know, Google Maps and Google Images, if you're just walking around oh yeah, scratching your balls in broad daylight, I mean, that could be on Google Maps Well, if you're, you know, out in front of your house. Well, now that and not to go off the tangent, there's AI cameras now that are able to predict where you're going to be based on your, you know, social media profile pics. I mean, that's coming down the pipe. Like you'll, they will know where you will be before you're there, uh, simply Jeez. by. Yeah, it's nuts, man. But regardless, it's just these things are just going to get caught on camera, and they they just stream on Twitter. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. If you want to put yourself put yourself out there in the public eye, there's a lot of things, a lot of strings that come with it. Yeah, like I I heard there was someone at Green Lake who decapitated a a duck or a goose or geese, is that what they're called? Geese. Yeah, yeah and like people it was probably a mentally ill guy or something. And people were just like filming it. Oh, like geez. god, Jesus. I mean I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I'm sorry to go off on it. Another tangent, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, you mentioned social media. I want to link 
I'm not saying people hero worship Jen Cohen, but like our society has a real problem with hero worship. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 these fans, you know, Jen DePore does really well, and then people want to worship Jen Cohen, like Softy and others. But his social media, you know, Elon Musk now, it's like, you know, you got he's currying favor, you know, with Republicans and, and you know, and they're just hero worshiping the guy. You know, oh, free speech, Elon, you know, Elon's the greatest entrepreneur. He can save the, you know, save the world. He can save the country. And it's just, can we just cool know, it on the hero worship? You never want to pin, you know, the, the future on one guy. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's, you know, and that's lends itself to our new paradigm of how society now interacts. Um, everything's gotten so into the, the clapback situation. It's just endless, right? Like, it's like, what's tomorrow going to be? The, the, the mud that the other side can sling into the, each other's faces. Um, yeah, and then you put guys on pedestals. I mean, remember like the Michael Avenatti? Yeah. Like the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what, like that guy, they were saying he's going to run for president and yeah. what, what that guy got, like he was in some huge league. I mean, he was like hero worshiped for oh, like what, yeah. half a year or something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I no, mean good God, like, like can we just cool it on? I mean, look, if we win the Ro- if we get to the Rose Bowl and we win the Rose Bowl, okay, I, I, you all have my permission. We can hero worship Penix. And you know everybody and other players like that's fine, okay. Athletes, sure, that's fine. But just like, okay, people in general, like, it's just cool it on the hero worship. <laughs> Duly <clears throat> noted. Uh, okay. Did you have a wonderful Thanksgiving? Uh, yes, I did. Really nice day, by the way. Really nice day. Hope everybody enjoyed the uh, the sun and the warmth on Thanksgiving clear beautiful day there are probably a lot of good a good thanksgiving football games going on unfortunately i was dealing with the crud but yeah it was still a, a nice thanksgiving it just okay not to go off on a tangent but when you went back home you know i want to say early college or whatever did you go to it isn't like the day before thanksgiving that's like the biggest bar day uh if it if it was i think maybe years ago that might have been the case it's been so long ago where I probably when you were like 21 or 22 i'm trying to think back i that that might have been the case yeah it's like a gathering like yeah you got together yeah it sounds right i know i know it's like a big thing in every uh it just seems like it's a big cultural thing and i I just remember one year me with like a large group of guys. We went to the Duchess and it was just like the day before Thanksgiving. It was fucking packed. <laughs> I mean, it was way past. It was just, and my buddy like got just fucking hammered. <laughs> I mean, so shit faced that we had to take his keys and he was like fighting us because he wanted to drive home. <laughs> oh. I just, yeah, there was some, I mean, there was somebody on the NFL network. Who, who they were uh, they tweeted some video like talking about uh, just you know don't make bad decisions just go easy people and so i just wanted to know like if you had any stories like that it could because it, it made me think of that story and my friend just getting just just like hammered 
Honestly, I don't have any great day before Thanksgiving bar <laughs> stories that I recall. There's probably one out there, but I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, anyway, that's the only one for me, but I don't, just a fun memory. Gotta have them. Uh, rhetorical question, but still worth asking. How fun is this Huskies team? I mean, it's... It's, you know, one of the, one of the great seasons in the past twenty two years, man. E- even if even if you know the point being where the the schedule is a little softer, you know, on the front end, right? I think it certainly was more difficult at the end of the year, uh, but overall, you know, it wasn't like the hardest schedule they've had. But you know, Arizona State loss was obviously uh, stung. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's one of the most fun, uh, seasons since, you know, obviously 16 is, you know, in the history books. I mean, before that, right. I mean, for me, it's like 2000, um, phenomenal season. I mean, Penix is not only is he a great quarterback, dude, he's a really fun guy. I, I like listening to his interviews. I love his demeanor. Uh, they, they have done a, you know, I think a cool marketing, you know, perspective of him and just kind of his attitude. And he seems like to be a, he seems like a really fun guy to be around. And, you know, there's, they've let some personalities come out, which I think really helps too. Like with, you know, Jalen Polk and the Penix pictures and some of the kind of the fun things they've done where you can kind of like get a little glimpse of to who these guys are, which we never got with Peterson. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a missed opportunity in the Pete years. So I think, you know, some of that kind of fun perspective that we feel, though, has been partly because we glimpsed into these guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that I do think the marketing has been better. I mean, oh, it has. It has. So I think that's yeah. or, you know, obviously winning is a lot of fun. Big time offense is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the defense has been hair pulling for a lot of the season, but um, we have seen some good defense as well. So I think overall, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, and we've gotten to see some personalities of this team. Yeah, dude. I, yeah, I was definitely going overboard the first three quarters of the Wazoo game. <laughs> I was just nervous until we could get ahead by two scores. Yeah, it was just kind of elusive. Uh, you, you just funny. You just knew Peyton Henry was going to miss the extra point when we uh, went ahead by eight points. I, I was like, "Is he going to miss this?" I, said, I literally said that right to and like doink. I was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> just and that's where I felt like you know, back to Wazoo was earning, you know, was earning points the hard way. They were getting some breaks. Like, is this going to be like a crazy fourth quarter apple cut? Yeah, that's that's what the that's what the worry was. You know, you're, sure. you're ahead by four or three points, and they have the ball. You know, and some crazy thing happens. And I, and I think Refit was pointing like it's going to come down to the defense. I'm like, I don't want to see this. Yeah. <laughs> you get me? No, 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 no. So, and that, and I mean the last three and a half games of the season. Like the offense was truly elite. 
I mean, it was elite the first four games of the season. Um, but yeah, you clear, I mean, you don't beat like we lose to, we probably, you know, we might lose to Wazoo if the offense is not elite. I mean, they did score 33 points. We lose to Oregon state and Oregon. If the offense is not elite, like you, you needed elite performances from the offense to win those games. And it, you know, it, it came through. Well, you were talking a lot of the year where statistically, you know, there's a section of the season where they were not playing elite football. And, you know, you were wanting them to see that take that next step. But but that's what we got, right? We got them playing, like, big-time elite offense. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what did I miss here? Oh, could you compare this year's offense to 2016's offense? Mm-hmm. And bowl you think the dogs get if USC beats Utah? Well, obviously, it, it's if USC beats Utah, it's – probably like a 98% probability that we're going to be in the Rose Bowl. I think the odds are real high. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. How do you think it compares to the 2016 offense? Well, just imagine Penix on the 16 offense. (laughs) I mean, this Penix right now, maybe that team, it wins the national championship in 2016. And that was a loaded I mean, it's not like a year like this year. The twenty six, the the year we made the playoff, uh, that was loaded. I mean, at Alabama and Clemson teams for the ages, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you, you put Penix on this Penix on that team. I well, think they, I said. I think I said you 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 make the you know you make the national championship game, but this Penix, may, who knows? Maybe you're able to win it. John Ross and Pettis. I mean, Odunze, McMillan, and Polk, uh, I mean. In the run game, I mean, that's a big difference. If you look at the, yeah, the the 2016 run game is obviously much better. Um, but I think this offense, you trust this offense against the best defenses. You, tr- you trust it more. And I think, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? I had one more thing, but I forgot. Well, yeah, they 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 probably go undefeated. They don't lose the USC with Penix. You're the two seed at worst. Yeah. So that year you were playing Ohio State. Ohio State. So you're you're in the title game against Alabama. Or I mean, if Alabama or 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 against Clemson, yeah. I mean, I think it's. They have a shot to win that season with Penix for sure. Win the national championship that season with Penix. But it, it this if you look at all the data, this offense is better than the 2016 yeah, one. It is. Yeah. But what did that offense in 16 average? They were 40 because this offense averaged what just over 40 points a game. Um. Let me look up. Uh... I'll look it up real quickly. I'll look up, con- you know, I always like using conference points per game because it's kind of a. Okay, so this year in conference play, we're averaging 39 points per game. Mm. 2016, we averaged, oh, 43. I was going to say, I thought it was in the 40s. I thought it was like almost 45, so. Yeah, but the the reason for that is because that we, we led the nation, I think, in turnovers. Mm, yeah. So the the that defense was so good that our it was 
giving our offense more opportunities and easier opportunities. Well, and they had the 70 point game against Oregon. Yeah, the 66 against Cal. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, those and those were yeah, those were two of the worst defenses in the history of Pac-12 or Pac-8, Pac-10 football. Like that you I mean those were if you're, if you're going to look at like all of the worst defenses in the last like 30 or 40 years in this league, those two are probably two of like the five worst defenses. I would <laughs> totally bet on it. Well, I mean, 16 was obviously great offense, but they also had a really good defense. Um, yeah. Yeah. With Penix, you know, anything happens that year. You go, you're undefeated in, in the season, regular season. And then, you know, you're, you're in the title game at worst. Yeah. I mean, you know, the elite quarterback, that's the big difference. And yeah. Like I said earlier, it just transcends everything. It makes up for a lot of flaws. Well, that and you you just – they were limited with Browning on, you know, schemes they could run, packages they could run. Like the, the, the throws Penix could make with like Ross and, and Pettis. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're talking about a completely – a complete different approach to, you know, your big play ability. Completely different. Yeah, and it, and it just and it's we're not trying to you know throw shade at Jake Brown. It, Jake Browning was a good quarterback by any metric and anything you want to look at. But it's just if you have an elite quarterback versus a good quarterback, it's a huge difference. And uh, like Penix is he's an elite quarterback. It's it's you don't. I mean, who's the last truly elite quarterback that we've? He's like Tui. You know, you put him up there with Tui. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, a single season performance from a quarterback perspective. I mean, he he owns it. You know, I mean, it's he is. You know, he's the best. He's the best quarterback at Washington ever. Now, yeah, I, I think in totality of a season, obviously Browning. If we're just, I mean, obviously what they did was. Nothing they hadn't done ever in the you know the playoff era, right? I mean, you can't deny that. And then obviously, Tui's run was insane. Yeah, I mean, this would be if we're able to get into the Rose Bowl and you win the Rose Bowl. Yeah, sick. Then, then he's up there with Tui. He's yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you go. That, that you start using the L word, legend. Oh yeah, no, he's he's. He's teetering legend, legend status. I mean, if if yeah, if if he could win a Rose Bowl, you would have to say like he's probably the best quarterback Washington's ever had. Yeah, I think we talked about it before, but yeah. Um, okay. Uh, was the deep performance of the second half better due to coaches' halftime adjustments or players just settling in? I think Jimmy, you said uh, they were more, there was more attention to detail. Yeah, I think they're the just second half. more disciplined football. Uh, they're just tightening up their their you know their responsibilities in you know their fits and staying in their gaps and you know, things of that nature. Uh, I just think they were you know kind of look at it, ask you and don't get sloppy, don't try to make plays. Um, 
you know, because it looks like it's there, you know, play disciplined, uh, you know, play your assignment, things like that. Uh, that's my take anyway. It's a good take. Uh, Buffy Miller wants to know, where's the tailgate for the bowl game? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Ask us maybe on the next pod when we know where we're going. Yeah. Yeah, I like Buffy's uh, profile picture. The Penix smoking the cigar with the trophy. It's pretty, that's pretty sick. Badass. Oh yeah, did you see that that video of him? That's just badass. Oh yeah, no, phenomenal. That's great, great way to cap the evening. It's pretty awesome. What are the chances Utah still makes it to the Rose Bowl after a close loss to USC this Friday? I really don't see any chance. Well, I think someone. I don't know who's saying it. A prognosticator where. Or was, it, or was it tequila saying it? I would call him a prognosticator. Uh, where, you know, the Rose Bowl may not want Utah two years in a row. Yeah, that, that I, I was reading something, and that does factor in to their decision-making. But I if they lose, I don't... Yeah, I don't... I don't seems, think they would be... I mean, the Rose Bowl is not going to pick them. Why would you pick a three-loss? Four-loss. Four, excuse me, four-loss uh, Utah team over a two-loss Washington team with, uh, with you know, arguably the best quarterback in the country. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about C.J. Stroud and Ohio State against Washington's offense. I mean, you can build, you know, you can market that game very well. Yeah, and I think, yeah, just because maybe we could talk about this a little bit. I mean, well, some people are saying but you could also be Penn State possibly. Um, but I think Ohio State, they would have lots of players would sit out. They would probably be not that motivated. Mm. Um, and I think if you look at, you get our guys fully healthy. I think our defense has improved in the second half of the year. Um, you know, and if, and if, and if we have just a, you know, we have a much bigger desire than they do, you know, and you have a big game coach and a guy like Penix, you know, I think you got a, I think you got a shot. Ryan Day is forty-five and five, and you know there's a lot of upset on that fan base. <laughs> forty-five and five. Let's get rid of this guy. He sucks. Yeah, all the people who think Husky Twitter is toxic should check out <laughs> Ohio State or Alabama Twitter right now. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Um, we got to wrap this up. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it's getting late. How are you feeling about your Kalen Desart call now? Look, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I made note of that in the last pod. That's why it's bad to tweet during the game. Yeah, you owned it. You owned it, buddy. So you're you're vindicated. Yeah. Um, DeKrampus wants to know, what is this? Courtney Morgan tweeting Christmas time, baby. I wonder, yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't know. Maybe some recruiting thing. Who knows? Maybe he just likes Christmas. Yeah. Maybe he's got some presents for the Husky fans here. The portal's opening up. Remember when you thought we would lose to the Coug? Well, I predicted a win. Yeah. 
you predicted a loss. Yeah, I have predicted a lot of losses lately. And how's that working out? It's worked out well. Yeah, it's working out well. Um, another one from DeCrampus, SC versus Utah prediction. You know, I've been meaning to look into this more, but I know that Utah's a little banged up. I hope SC can just blow them out, but I just have a feeling like they're good. This is going to be like 2018 where like Utah just is like stingy the entire game. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly very possible, but I, I think you I think USC is going to win the game. I, yeah, I think USC like us like they're starting to play. They're starting to play better defense. I mean, they're very opportunistic, and K- K- Caleb Williams is incredible. No, yeah, he's good. <laughs> that, no that guy's like a yeah. I mean, him, him and Penix are the two best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, yeah, and it's a real shame they're not facing each other. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I thought that Notre Dame was going to beat USC. I mean, Notre Dame was playing really well. I, they, they've had some stinkers at the beginning of the season, but, I mean, they've been playing really well the last four or five weeks. And USC, I mean, just totally controlled that game. I mean, you, Notre Dame, they have a great run game, and, you know, they USC did really – their run defense, which has been a joke – uh, I mean, I watched some of it. You know, their run defense held up. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think USC should win the game. I, I'm just hoping, yeah. Obviously, I'm hoping they win. I'm hoping it's, you know, I'm hoping they, they, they're able to kind of control the game and get ahead by a couple scores, you know, before the fourth quarter. That would be nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm picking SC to win the game. Yeah, because here's the thing. Who knows what's going to happen with the Rose Bowl in the coming years? Right. Yeah. It, we really don't. And, and the like, if we go to the Big Ten, it's going to be like it's going to be like an NFL minor league. I mean, Jimmy, look at these coaches in the Big Ten now. You have Matt Rule, who is extremely successful as a college coach, and then you have what's his, uh, the guy who just joined to Wisconsin, the Cincinnati coach, Fickle. Oh, Fickle. Yeah. I, you know, and you already have, you know, Penn State's a real program. You have Michigan, Ohio State. I, that's a really, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to the Rose Bowl, but, I, you know, I, I yeah, think this, it's important for us be, to really relish want, this potential opportunity. Yeah, this is Washington. If they get in, this could be the last, like, true Rose Bowl type of, you know, situation where you know we don't know how it's going to unfold in the future like this could be like the last hurrah yeah uh time for a new dc or does you does uw just need to portal more defensive talent i I would say first yeah get a lot more talent yeah but if you're if that's the approach i think the lease is short yeah i mean i think i'll leave it up to DeBoer. Well, I think they want your take. Yeah. I think they want you to leave it up to the They want to know what you think. Well, yeah, I appreciate that, but I haven't, haven't, I don't know. It's not too much on my mind. So I don't really have much of an opinion on it. I mean, if it's fun, again, tweeting before the end of the game, it's like the first half tweets. I mean, even Coker was very nice and polite and well-mannered. Every every UW every UW defensive coach needs to be fired after this game. 
Yeah, well, I, I think he's retained the the leash is short, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, would you explain the NIL collective process and how other schools are more than likely paying to play high school recruits and college transfers? Is it po- possible to compete at a high level without competing in a similar way? Well, I mean, if, if you mean a – yeah, I mean, if the, the highest level, I would say yes. I mean, you don't have to be like Texas A&M and Oregon, just give all these bags. But you clearly have to have – you know, you have to have the right culture and development and all that. And at the same time, you have to be, you know, competitive with what you can offer these guys. I think we've talked about that. Um, I haven't read the article, just the headline, but it, it reads that Texas spent what two hundred and eighty thousand dollars on the weekend Archie Manning came. On that the guy's gonna be, he's gonna be a bust too. I'm predicting it. I I would love it, especially under Sark. <laughs> uh, but. Washington is not going to spend $300,000 in one weekend for a player. I I do think what Washington will spend on trying to keep guys here. Like, I think hopefully they will, you know, for Penix and Odunze and uh, Trice. Yeah, and I think those guys got to know early, right? Or they got to know what, what's gonna, what it's going to look like. Because some of the problems with it, uh, with Cohen, I think other people were saying in the articles, they had a problem with paying guys before they even did anything for the program. Right, yeah. Before they even got into school. And so now it's, you know, I think the holier-than-thou approach, uh, I think they they realize that if we get panics back next year, that's more money. It's more money coming in because we know that's what they care about. Money. Yeah, I would expect. Yeah, I would expect with the schedule and you know marketing panics, like you are gonna attract fans. I have been sitting on the sideline. No pun intended. Yeah. Okay. Why is a shit tier Mountain West team in our spot, and why should UW spend one more minute in this shit tier conference? Well, I think we're looking for a way out. Yeah. Now I want to ask you about because this was okay from uh this is from Dre. Um heard from a reliable source Penix is seriously considering coming back for the right price. The thought is if he balls out again, he's a first round pick. Obviously it's seven figures. Question one, how much do you think he needs? Two, can UW come up with the money to get it done? Obvi- you said obviously they can come up with the money, right? I, I think so, yeah. The, the the amount it's a hard that's something that's hard to predict i mean obviously i don't let's say he's a third round pick i don't even know like what's the minimum you can pay a third round pick yeah, how what, much does a second round pick make well it depends i think you know part of that is the signing bonus um i don't have those particulars enough but i mean i think you know, you're going to be in the couple, you need to pay him a couple million. I would say, I would say 5 million. I, I, I'm saying minimum. You're going to have to pay right. him two. 
Five. It, would be, it would be funny if, if in the future if we see these deals where a player like Penix is like, yeah, I'll take five million and then I'll I'll take ten percent of all Husky football profits next year. <laughs> like it'd be funny if we start to see those those types of deals coming. I mean, what if they? You know, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the type, the creative, how creative they get with packages, or get like a royalty. You know, Mister Wonderful on. Uh, yeah. You well, know, who's a, who's a terrible investor, by the way? Like that that guy's such a fraud. He's a horrible investor, even before he lost his ass in crypto. Um, <laughs> but he's always like he always wants a royalty. But that would be, but you know, royalties are you know in the right situations. I mean, they could be life really life changing. But it'd be oh. funny, like, yeah, give me five million, and I'll also take a one percent royalty on you know all all UW profits. Well, he could get for, for the rest for the rest of my life plus fifty life. years. You know, he could uh, take an insurance policy out. Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if he had another successful senior year and he's a first round draft pick, um, certainly gonna it's gonna pay a lot more up front if he waits a year and yeah, gets that I, first round pick. I don't know. I just, I just, I'm sure you agree with me. You, you, you got to pay him whatever he wants to get him to come back. Yeah. I mean, it's such a no brainer from a financial standpoint. You're, you're just, there's no, you're not going to have a bring in a guy that's going to bring in the same buzz that Penix has built in. And, and this, and this guy's covering up, he's covering up lots of flaws. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, if I mean not to use the Jake Browning example again, but you know, if you just if we just merely have a good quarterback, is this more than an eight win team? No, maybe it's not. Maybe it's a seven and five team. I would right. probably say it's a seven win team at best. Yeah, I, I agree. And that again, when you have an elite quarterback, I mean that's that's Buddy, just the reality. We are hitting an hour forty. All right. Any yeah, no prediction for this. Um, but yeah, I hope that. So you're you're on board with just doing whatever it takes. Yeah, of course. It's like look, it's like this. This would be if we if we're able to get him to come back because we pay him a lot of money. This will be the second big balls thing we've done since we got Tosh. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Do you agree or do you just want to hang up? Oh, I agree. Well, <laughs> partly, yes, I want to hang up, but I agree. Yes. It's a big fucking big time play if they do it. There's no doubt. I mean, dudes, he's a generational quarterback. Do what you can to get him back. And yeah, I'm being serious. We haven't done the pod this long in a really long time. Now. It's only it's only a couple minutes longer than the last one. No, okay. All well, right, brother. Well, yeah. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. And hey, I just you know fight on this week. Fight the fuck yeah. on. Fight the fuck on. Go USC. Fight on. Yeah, yeah. Get it done. Get it done. Yeah. yeah. Great year. A lot of fun. Kick the shit out of the Cougs. Lots of fun. And uh, we'll get ramped up for next year. 
Yeah, and hopefully the Rose Bowl. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. That, you know. Because, look, if USC doesn't win, we're going to be like in the Alamo or the Holiday Bowl. I don't know if we're going to make the Cotton Bowl. So a lot is riding on this. Well, you know, just get on your hands and knees and pray, buddy. I will. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Great work, Jimmy. Hope you feel better soon. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Ted. Till then, go dogs and fight on. (laughs) Go dogs.